Well, I'll tell you what, for the next instalment of our 2021 club previews for the upcoming season, we had to go to the black and white stripes. We had to go to Collingwood. But for a club this big, we couldn't just go one-on-one. We've had to bring two of the biggest Collingwood podcasters out there. I'm talking about Sly and I'm talking about Spook. Gentlemen, welcome to Lace Out. How are you today? Good, thanks, Peps. Yourself? Oh, living the football dream. Can you believe it's only less than oh, less than a month until this season kicks off? I can believe it. You can't believe it. Now, the two gentlemen from the Collingwood rant, I have to sort of talk about, I want to talk about obviously how the season ended last year. Uh, You have a beautiful little final win, then you obviously go down to to West Coast a week later. But there hasn't been much Collingwood talk in the last, sorry, Geelong, I'll take that back. I'll record that part again. (laughs) Well, uh, you you, uh, had the win against uh, the Eagles, but then you obviously – lost to Geelong the week after. But between the end of 2020 and, and 2021, we haven't heard much uh, about Collingwood in the last number of weeks. Um, it's the way we like it at the club. <laughs> we, we like it to, you know, just keep it quiet, just fly under the radar. You, you, you sort of we don't like to bother to press. Yeah. Don't like making Finding the right size rock to hide under. Exactly. I reckon, yeah. you, I reckon you hid for about, I reckon, a week. And then as soon as trade week started coming in, that's when it all started to hit the fan and it sort of flowed on from there. <laughs> How have the two of you seen, uh, let's just say, Collingwood's end of season to start of season, um, I don't know, situation go? Well, it's just another day in paradise, really. <laughs> from a Collingwood just half of the course. Yep. Oh, well, it's, it's been a proud and historic off-season for Collingwood. Um <laughs> The trade week was a debacle. You think you can't get much worse than that. But i, I got to give the club kudos because they find a way. They find a way to outdo themselves as they stumble from one disaster to another. It's amazing. It, it, and it was a disaster. Let's call it how it was. The whole Adam Trelaw thing was an was just a balls up. And I, I, don't understand, I don't understand the whole situation. I don't know why they got rid of him. Maybe you could elaborate a little bit about that. But it, it just wasn't that when they're saying it's not a fire sale. But you end up getting rid of, you know, Jaden Stevenson, who won a Rising Star a couple of years earlier. Yep. Oh, there's get, that paper cut. Yep, there's that paper cut. Yep. <laughs> Tom Phillips, another paper cut. Trelaw goes. And, yeah, then you have Dane Beams finishing up as well, you know, under circumstances that we all don't you know, really want to go into, but, you know, just one of those things. And then the guy with the name that I find extremely difficult to pronounce, so I'm just going to go with Atu B. Yep. That's you have those five, do. yeah, you have those five leave the club. And then on top of that, you've also then got Ben Reed, Lyndon Dunn, Tom Langdon, Travis Varco all decide to retire for various reasons. I think two of them should have retired probably a year earlier, though. Yep. <laughs> so that was a little bit overdue. Uh, but do you think that from the Collingwood side of things that did you think it was going to get, I won't say that bad, but just how messy it got? And then for I, um, Ned, I wrote a piece yep. for the Roar about ah oh, six weeks before the end of the season, and I just posed this is my side for twenty twenty one, and I think it looks okay. We've got some midfield depth coming through. Stevenson, you can hopefully get Trelaw right playing on the outside. You got Phillips there. You got Dagos and all that coming up, and I, no one anticipated that they were going to do what they did, and that they did that really 
you know, no one knows why the, the, the complete reasons because the club's been pretty murky about it. They keep publishing new stories about the motivation, but it really just seems as they can't count. No, somebody messed up the sums and the salary cap and then realized we've got to make some cuts here or we're in deep trouble. But does that, did that excuse pass the sniff test from your perspective? No, I don't know. I mean, they claimed that they had to, they tried to keep this list together for premiership contention. It's like, well, you're in a grand final in 18 and two years later, you're disassembling the list. Um, what exactly is happening there and how have you gotten yourselves in this position? If you're in this bad a position financially, why were you taking Dane Beams aboard? Why are you signing Trelaw to five years? Why are you signing Stevenson to 600,000? Um, why are you doing all these things and then turning around going, well, we're changing our strategy. It's like, what exactly is your strategy? I don't know. I don't think many kind of supporters understand how the club has foreseen the way they're moving forward. But it wasn't just that. It was the whole Dugowie situation as well too, with him being out of contract as well too. And the, the amount that he was commanding and, and what he'd been producing was probably not at the level of what he should be getting back from the club yeah. from a financial side of things. That's but, a very fair statement. But the other thing is, is though, especially with the Trelaw one, the club have signed him up to that money, asked him a couple of times, and this is what's being reported, that they've asked him a couple of times to just, you know, hold back, hold back until we can get a couple others on. He's he's done that. And then they've signed him up and then it's like, well, sorry, I know that we've promised you all this cash, et cetera, and this is what we've agreed to, but we might have to move you on because we've stuffed our numbers up. There's got to be more to it. Like it just can't. It just can't be a simple numbers thing. It's, if you if they wanted to keep him, they would have worked something out. I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't know how. I think sort of some of this you're going to be able to judge in retrospect in about two three years because it's going to depend on what they do at the end of this year. They're claiming they're making room for free agents and that sort of stuff. If it comes up next year that they don't get a free agent or they don't have the manoeuvring room to get a free agent, then that just shows that. They lied yet again. And, and that was the, probably the most annoying thing. You had so many different people coming out with stories. You know, you had a, a Ned Guy coming out and saying salary cap's not that bad. The next day, Jeff Wall said the same thing. And then Buckley came out and said, no, it is. We did have to clear some of the room. And then Eddie came out and said, there's too much being made of all this. And, you know, media's really beating it up. It's like, how are four key figures at the club actually all selling a different story? Can't you actually sit down and just say, this is the story we're going to try and sell to public. Let's show some unity. And, you know, I think there's been a number of people who've wanted to change at the club, but that really widened the cracks. That really started opening up the fractures where people were saying, no, look, this administration has bungled this for whatever reason. And we don't know the entire reason, but for whatever reason, they've bungled it. And if you've bungled this, who knows what else you've what messed else? up. And we probably saw a little bit of that coming out a number of months time with the whole racism thing, with the whole uh, uh, Radier Lumumba, et cetera, coming out. I don't want to go over it too much because we're talking about the season moving up. But once again, from, from your from your perspective, what was what was the Collingwood reaction to that? Because, you know, I barred from Melbourne, as you know, and um, he was playing at our club for a little bit and it sort of started off okay and then sort of you know, probably didn't end up uh, the way we wanted it to. But he was there for a long time. He was a premiership player. You know, he seemed to be maybe embracing the club, but was that all a facade? Is he coming out as a just sour grapes? How did you all see it from 
from your perspective as as you know supporters of the club and also from from the podcast perspective the, the Collingwood rant who's taking this on you and me spook it's one of those ones you really feel guarded about how uh, how you answer yeah um this um Look, from my perspective, um, I think there's there's something there, and I don't think he at any point that he's, he's gone up and completely made this stuff up. There's there's some corroborating stories around of what's happened. There's also other stories that are saying that everything was fine. So it's really hard to get a full on handle on on what's actually happened. You can only go by um, the words being uttered, and there's clearly some anger there um, coming from a, a particular quarter. Um, the clubs you know, tread it seriously enough to go ahead and, and, and produce this report and, and try and tackle it. Uh, I don't think at any point did they think it was going to backfire as badly as it did. Um, and just to go sidestepping for a second, I don't think um, when it came to trading uh, Trelaw and, and Stevenson and, and Phillips, yeah. et cetera, that, that they thought that that backlash was, uh, backlash was going to be as bad as it was. So there's a bit of a consistent theme running here about how the club, uh, in my opinion, has failed consistently to keep reading the room on some of these things. Yeah. And I think, you know, when that's clear, out there um, in, in Joe Public's face as well, that people can start rightly questioning whether um, what you're being told is factual, um, is the club being up front here. It, it does cast a lot of doubt in, in, across a lot of this in my mind about what, you know, who's actually telling the truth, who's not. It's 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 still a real grey area, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I, they've tried to head this up with that with that report, and it's a step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, no, for for Labumba, I'm I'm really not sure what's going on there. Well, I, I think, think the one sorry. thing, though, if you, well, I think the one thing of Labumba is you've had so many players now come out. You've had Labumba, Shad Wellington, Leon Davis, Shane McManara, Simon Buckley, uh, Dane Beams, all come out with. Um, you know, a couple of people have backed Lumumba. A couple of other people said, no, I didn't hear, we didn't hear anything. And a few other people, Dane Beam said, no, the nickname was used, but it was used good-naturedly and we would have stopped it if you just said so. So I think, you know, when you look at the, what the truth is, it's everyone's perception of it's going to vary depending on where they were standing. What's definitely there is obviously they did use that nickname and whether he didn't like it at the time but just uh, tolerated it to fit in or yep. whether it's something he's done retrospectively, they shouldn't have been using it. So uh, what it comes down to now is, look, we can't go back and fix that. All we can do is move forward. Try to be better from no, this point on. Exactly right. And that's it. And, and, and a lot of that ball is back in um, Lumumba's court too about that. How does he want this to end? You, exactly you can, right. I mean, there are plenty of people out there making a career about yelling at clouds on Twitter. Uh, at some point, though, you have to actually say what it is that's going to appease you in this, I guess. Yeah. Um, he doesn't want to engage with the club. Um, he didn't want to be part of the report. But what's what? What do you want to get out of this? That'd be the bit I'd love to to try and understand a little bit better too. Because you've got to stop all, this at some yeah, point. I think we'd all like to understand. You know, obviously we we know what he's feeling, but what's the end game for it mm. all as well too? So look, I think that's a story that's just going to play itself out. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes up again in the near months anyway, but let's look towards one. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> well, you guys have had that before a couple of years ago, wasn't it? When I think Robbo yeah, dropped the story. Every, yeah. <laughs> pretty much every Robbo dropped the story on the, on the start of round one and causing dramas, et cetera. All right. Let's park all that sort of stuff because we want to talk about that good stuff, which is Collingwood as well too. So let's just, let's just put things in uh, a little bit of perspective. So last year, yeah, finished off with um, uh, a record of uh, nine and seven. You finished uh, was uh, finished seventh on the ladder, but ended up winning that final and moving up a little bit 
You beat F. Taylor Adams, which was sensational. Pendles, once again. Um, apparently, he's got a basketball background. That was the first I heard about it. That was just part of my research as I was going in. Comes in second as well, too. We've spoken about the trades. Uh, the interesting thing was is that you did have a lot go out the door, but you didn't bring anyone in. So that whole buyer sale, and probably there was a little bit of merit to it, how you haven't picked up anyone, but are you? have you got someone in sight for this year? We'll, we'll never know. And I think it's going to come down to how you perform as well. We've gone through the players that have left. You had a couple of All-Australians. Congratulations to Taylor Adams and um, uh, Darcy Moore Darcy as well Moore. too. Yep, uh, a.k.a. the, the uh, AFL's Kira Knightley. All Australian uh, 2020. Uh, and Nathan Buckley, he's um, going into his 10th uh, season this yeah. year. 10th season. Uh, he's 113 wins, 90 losses, two draws. The good thing to come out of it, though, is you went into draft night, you picked up five ripping kids, you picked up Oliver Henry at 17, Finley McRae at 19. Um, Reef uh, McGuinness at 23, uh, Caleb Poulter at 30, Liam McMahon at 31, and a couple of rookies as well as uh, Jack Ginevan and Isaac Chug. So you've picked up seven brand new um, brand new vehicles to get into the Collingwood garage, and hopefully they can drive you guys um, into the future. So you've got to be a little bit, a bit excited about that because that's the first time in a long time that Collingwood have had a good lot of picks, especially in that top 30 range. Yeah, one of the problems there uh, is the last really good pick they had, they just traded out the door. So under the current administration, you're going to live with that wariness that, hey, how about Oliver Henry? He looks great. Oh, wait, he's gone now too because he can't get along with the coach or whatever the case might be. Um, So, and I don't know how that trade period, you know, has a fraction to playing group. There was a lot of stories about what Buckley said compared to what Trelaw was claiming was told to him. So has that affected the players' faith in uh, in Buckley? And while it's great to have those kids coming in, I think it's really important. And, and Melbourne did this a few years ago, or quite a few years ago, when you were sort of coming up the ladder and you got rid of a lot of experience and yes, then they just sort did. of fell yes. over. Yep. And when I look at like our list, we have 20 players who've played less than 20 games and you know, 15 of them or have played one or less games. So maybe we won't have injuries at Collingwood, you know, and we'll keep a fit list. I mean, that'd be the nice to see for the first time since 2010, but you're really relying on a lot of things to go right, to keep the framework of experience there in which these young players can thrive. And when I look at the list breakdown, I think, it's just too reliant on young players and, you know, can they be, can they take that burden? And, you know, obviously they'll have good games here and there, but when you ask them to do so much so consistently, it's more likely that they're not going to be able to achieve it because that's just AFL football. Very very few players are a Chris Judd who come out, hit the ground running, and then just stars immediately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't happen that often. No, yeah. I don't think there's been many in the last – I think the last, last major one, and unfortunately got a shoulder injury last year, was Matt Rowell. Yeah, literally dominated when he first came out. But you're right; there hasn't been anyone for quite a while. Just you know, grab the grab the game by the agates and go. Yeah, oh, there was let's that one. There was it. that one guy, Jaden Stevenson. Um, but oh yeah, when he, he now he was. I know he's at North now. Which club? I think it was a Collingwood, wasn't yeah. he? Uh, yeah. Maybe us, maybe us spook. It's a bit of a sensitive issue for you. <laughs> it does not be. I'm You're not happy with it? Them. Never, never, never forgiving. No. Uh, no. Look, and I wish him all the best there, and I hope he uh, wins four Brownlows. I, at North. 
You know what the thing is, right? And this is the thing that I've, I've discovered after speaking to uh, a number of clubs. And for the for the people, if you listen to this Collingwood one for the first time, we've also we've dropped out Fremantle, we've dropped out Geelong, we've dropped out North, and the sentiment among all the parties so far is the twenty twenty season was just a complete uh, aberration. For the simple yep, fact yeah. that it was a hub life, you can only do you can only do so much. It was completely locked down. It was totally foreign. Yet. You know, Jaden Stevens, who, who may need that support in the Melbourne environment, might have had a bad year. And, okay, too bad, we'll let you go. Uh, North yeah, of Dunham with Ben Brown. So it's like yeah. it's it's happening a little bit and it's a shame for it to occur, especially for players or, or supporters like yourself who go, I really want Jaden Stevens at our club. Yeah, he's had a bad year. There could be other factors besides which led to the odd field stuff. I really hope he goes out and dominates for North. Hopefully he doesn't do it against us. But he sort of sticks it up the club to go, you know what? I don't think you should have got rid of me. We should have maybe been able to work this out. Is, oh, is it Buckley? Is it Buckley? Like, wh- where, where do you guys sit with Nathan Buckley, 10th season it's in? Buckley. It is? <laughs> yep. It's Buckley. Yeah. Uh, and, and they've got they've got Foreman this. You know, there's other guys like Heater, Heath Shaw, uh, Paul Seedsman, who were traded out because Dane Beams, from what I understand originally left i mean his father's illness is a factor but a bigger factor apparently was he didn't get along with buckley and i think that was a big motivator as to why they brought him back to try and uh, heal that psychic rift and you know show that everyone look everything's changed look, the coach has matured this player's matured we're a mature club now and everything's harmonious um but there's been a number of players who've left and part of that was part of the buckley's drive to culturally reinvent the club when he took over as coach but it seems, going? yeah, it seems like his attitude, and this is the one thing that always concerned me with Buckley. Buckley was such a consummate professional as a player that I was always worried that he wouldn't be able to understand the Dane Swans of this world who didn't live, breathe football 24-7. You know, they did their little things off field and all that. They had their little screw-ups. They were larrikins and all that. But then once they came on the field, they did the they business. switched it on. Yeah, but I, I didn't know if Buckley would actually understand those sort of players and connect with them, or if you just think, well, you're being frivolous, you need to take football seriously all the time. And it seems that he had that sort of attitude, which um, has led to some breakdowns in relationship. Dale Thomas is another one out there too. So there's been quite a few that have gone, and it comes down to and, – and it shouldn't just be put on Buckley. It's that whole coaching staff. You know, the coaching staff should be looking at it and, get, and saying, well – if the senior coach is not communicating with these players in a way to get the best out of them, then then it's on us to help the coach improve in that area, but also to help facilitate that relationship and work out a way that, you know, we can get the best out of both parties. The challenge though is, and if you've, if you've been around football clubs enough, you realize that if the coach, if the senior coach is saying it's my way or the highway, regardless of what the assistants and so forth can do, if, if they're trying to repair that and the senior coach is coming over the top saying, no, that's not how I want it won, it really makes it a challenge for them as well too because you've, you've had quality down there for, for a, a long time. And if you have a look at some of the assistant coaches that have been through Collingwood, you know, you've, you've got Robert Harvey down there, you've had, uh, you've had Buddha Hockey, Rodney E was down there for a while as well too, and many other names that you could go through. So there hasn't been just – randoms, you know, that you've never heard of. These are quality players who knew how to get the best out of themselves. Well, Buddha Hockey was been a able to big do it loss because the, the, the players loved him and he was a victim of the COVID cuts. Yep. Um, you know, Robert Harvey and, and Brendan Sanderson, they're, I mean, Robert Harvey's been at the club for Buckley's entire reign. 
I believe. And like, I just sort of look at that and think, hey, we should be getting some change in there because you, the same ideas aren't working. No, so in that regard, I think whatever Harvey and Sanderson had to offer, the players have heard it, let's change it up. Yep. And you just always, you know, any long longevity in any position can lead to stagnancy. And that's something that is another concern with the Collingwood coaching staff. It's just been the same sort of guys delivering the same message. Is it really going to have a different effect on the players? Well, it's going to be when you're talking about change, not from just the, the, the coaching group. For the first time in you know, 22 years, you're not going to have Eddie Maguire at the helm. Now, I've been a, I've been a big, um, a big uh, critique of him being a Collingwood president and also having a big media profile as well too. But I'll tell you what, if I had a president at our club who bled for the club like he did for so long, uh, I'd, I'd be like, mate, come and join us because that's what we need. The passion was there. He did get one flag out of those 22, 22 years. I think when he, when he first came on, Collingwood weren't in a very good position. He was able to build them up to the powerhouse that they are. But was, was it just getting too long in the tooth? You know, should that have been, should he have gone a couple of years ago? You know, was there yeah, look, things a, that, yeah. I'm a big believer that there should be fixed terms for the presidencies, like, like what Hawthorne does. I was about um, to mention Hawthorne, yeah. Eight years they have. Yeah, and, and I think that's enough. Like I said, what Sly said before is that stagnation can can clearly come in. And I think you know the first half of Eddie's tenure there was was you know, immaculate. It was um, oh, the, there was a beach hotel. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> but they, they they got through that pretty. Yeah, we, you know, we've got the Bentley Club, okay? So everybody, <laughs> ha- every football club's got one, all right? You've also got the the, think, the club out of Collingwood. The, thing, the, the beach hotel is you're forgiven like the one mess up, so that was it. Yeah, that yeah. and yeah. the first half. So go on, Spook. <laughs> but the, um, the the succession plan for for me is where the, the the thing started to turn. That that needed to be successful right from dot, and he was almost perfectly placed to to make that work. Um, I mean, at the time, you question why would you do it? You've got a coach there that's that's taking you a flag. You absolutely obliterated everyone except one club in that um, follow up season. Why would you mess with that success? Come on, yeah, Spook. We've yeah, got premiership coaches all over the place. Well, no, but no, it's, it's, a, it's a question that I can tell you. It wasn't just your club asking. Everybody in the public was. You've got a club yeah. that is has, has won a grand final. You've got to a, another grand final the year later, and you're saying goodbye to an, an experienced coach that seems to get the best out of the ragamuffins, you know, the ones that the, the John Wests, the other ones that the clubs reject, yeah. and he says, listen, what we're able to do with this group – and then we're going to hand it over to somebody who's not had any senior experience mm. whatsoever. Yeah. And yeah, Dane Swan says, says in his autobiography that um, there were players allied to Malthouse who did talk about getting a petition together to keep him on, but Malthouse said, no, well, I've signed it. But, and he said when Buckley took over, there was players who just wouldn't play for him. They were too allied to Malthouse. And he goes, it had nothing to do with Buckley. It would have just any other coach coming in would have suffered similarly. It was just they were too close to Malthouse. And it really shows how, you know, and for Buckley's sake too, I mean, it's not the best circumstances for an inexperienced, inexperienced coach to come in and try and take this list on when half of them don't want to play for you. So Collingwood really, I mean, you hear that story, you know, you hear that phrase, the best of both worlds. Collingwood delivered the worst of both worlds. It was a seriously amazing gaffe. And that, as Spook says, that was the start of the real decline of the club. Yeah, and, and then his tenure. it builds. Yeah, the, and the, then the twelve. You, sorry, the, the twelve list was still a very you know, that, that 
there was potential there for that club to still be successful, but oh, no the cracks doubt. started to appear at the end of that season, and we never really recovered. I mean, we had some putrid years in between there, and I, I think that attempt to rebuild, and, and we stocked up with some really great quality players um, <laughs> during that period, and it just it just was unraveling, and and, and then through I mean through sheer injury, and, and absolutely yep. you couldn't have planned for this. 18 burst out of nowhere and you know, we naturally, as we do so often, fell short when it counted. Um, but I think even that year caught every, I mean, caught us by surprise that um, the, the potential was there. I think that actually probably worked against us too because it, it sort of masked the cracks to a certain extent. I think if we hadn't done what we did in 18, that would have been Buckley's last year, no no doubt about yeah. it. I love he bought himself an extension. He got him and, an extension, you know, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I think we we completely overvalued where we were actually at, and it's now here we are. Don't worry, yeah, my club did exactly the same thing in the same year as well too. We we made finals, we made a prelim, got obliterated. Apparently, we didn't even worry about the game, didn't even review it. Coach gets an extension, and we haven't made it since. So it hmm. it's great for the club, but is it masking something that's lingering? In well, the, the other thing with Collingwood too is is when Buckley's tenure built that side. So you go to trading out all those players, Daisy Thomas, Heater, Sharad Willingham, Dawes, and all those sort of guys. And then they went to the draft, but they did it at a period that GWS and Suns were monopolizing all the best young talent in the competition. So it's like, this is probably the worst time to be rebuilding. You have a young side. You should be finding a way to keep that side together. And like Hawthorne did, they were smart. It by, you know, they went and got McAvoy and, and Lake, um, for all so, way, yeah, yeah, uh, go they got guys, yep, yep, and and some of those guys too, you know, like Frawley is a good player, but like in that system, he was a great player. So they did really well to facilitate their success and their, their ongoing um, contention. He's got medals around like, his neck. He's got medals around his neck, and that's all that matters. All right, <laughs> gentlemen, let's get into it. Okay, so. 2021, let's have a bit of a look of it. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Where's the improvement going to come from? Do you think from, you know, from everything that you've seen so far, what you've heard on the training track, what you've read, what you've even reported on um, as part of the Collingwood rant, where, where do you see the improvement coming from uh, moving into this year? Well, they really need Jordan Degoe to realise his talent rather than be a tease. Uh, and they really needed to start moving from the midfield. It's... Love Taylor Adams, uh, but Scott Pendlebury remains the best midfielder in that side. At and 47 30, years old. Yeah, you know, he's, what he, he's the age he is. And at this stage, you really would hope that you'd be getting that next year coming through. Um, and that midfield is looking, you know, a couple of years ago, Matthew Lloyd heralded the midfield as the best midfield ever. You look at it now, it's really thin. You know, you get Pendlebury, side bottom, um, Adams, and then it just sort of really drops away. And you get guys like Jordan Degoe. And then the two Browns and Josh Dacos and Braden Sire. And it's sort of, you're really banking on a lot of prospects to realize their potential to take us the next step. And that's going to be a concern in that regard. I mean, Josh Dacos is a revelation last year, um, but I don't know what else they got coming through. And a lot of people talk about like Braden Sire and we're big fans of Sire, but he's played like nine games in two years. Uh, 218, he looked a great prospect, but he's really struggled. And I see a lot of Collingwood supporters talking about, oh, you know, Braden Sire is going to come up and Will Kelly, who's played three quarters in two years, and um, Nathan Murphy. And it's like, 
I hope they do, but all these guys have played very, very little football. And if we're relying on them to provide the impetus to improve, we're really going to struggle. It should really be coming from the guys like, um, you know, Callum Brown who's on 49 games and yeah, Steven Sniffy was still there. And, um, the, I, it, I still can't that, believe they got rid of him. And the one that I was actually more shocked about, because I thought he was actually not too bad for your mob was, was Tom Phillips. Well, I, Phillips was misused last year. He was used as a, tagging or defensive for, half forward. And it's like, well, in 218, he had, you know, 4,000 possessions. And it was like, well, now let's play him as a half forward. It's, what sense does that make? Hey, look, and side it, note, why do clubs do that? Why do clubs when it's almost golfers who change their swing for the sake of changing their swing? A player starts yeah. to play some good football in a position and we just go and move him. It doesn't make any sense why they do it. And oh, then it doesn't well, work. Apparently, well, according to supporters, it's because Josh Dacos took that wing. And apparently there's only one wing on the field, as you know. And Josh Dacos has 100% of game time every week. So there was no space there for Phillips. I really don't know. It's um, it's bewildering. But, like, I look at that midfield. I hope they think laterally and maybe do something like push Braden Maynard in the middle. And someone like Isaac Quaino, who showed a lot of dash off halfback. Yep. They both look like, you know, blue chip potential. Um, because at the moment, the midfield looks pretty one-paced and it looks pretty dour rather than having any genuine X factor or uh, any great innovation. Yep. Okay. So I was about to ask you that because that's that's where the improvement's going to come from. Where do you see the – what are your concerns? Like I know you've mentioned a little bit earlier with the concerns about the, the young crop of kids having to take on all of the responsibility to, to lead you back up the ladder. And it's going to make it harder for you too because champion data have rated your draw the third hardest in the league. So you've got a hard draw with young kids. It's it's going to make it a, a massive challenge for you. Are they concerns that you see or have you got other ones that you've you've addressed? Yeah, I mean, the, the depth thing is a, is a concern for me that, um, as you said, we, we've got a number of kids just sitting there on the sidelines now. And you talked about it a little bit or lent towards it a, a little bit earlier about um, last year being a terrible year for preparation, especially if you weren't playing senior footy. You were probably having a kick in the car park with half the list of another side, and that was your substitution for playing VFL games. Um, you know, we, we only had, I think, um, out of our um, draftees last draftees. year, Rusko was the only one that, um, that got in... Um, a senior game or four senior games, I think. So, and, and Rantel and, and Bianco um, didn't get a look in and how could they? Um, and you've got now, what, about 34 of them that we've drafted this year. Um, and we, we I, I haven't heard any announcement about whether there's going to be a VFL competition or anything. I don't think they even know what the, the AFL is oh. going to look like. And, and if we have another one where we're having an interrupted uh, preparation um, platform for these younger kids to come through, it's going to delay their development even further again. Um, and then you're relying on that senior core there. We, we're very all over the place, I think, with our um, age distribution in that list. A um, few of those blokes are inevitably going to break down because it's what we do best. Um, then those kids are coming up and they're going to be raw and will look funny. And I think, too, if you look at the, the top end of the list, the, the older players, you have guys like um, Jordan Ruffett really looked like he struggled last year. I understand he didn't really enjoy the hub life. Chris Main fell back, you know, a step. Uh, Levi Greenwood was getting a little bit slower. So you, of those, you know, you have 10, 10 players who've got 100 games or plus, and of those, you have about six, seven guys who are 30 or around 30 or more, and the end can come very quickly for those sort of players. And all they have to do is drop back a step, and that's it. They start getting caught. They start looking rushed. 
And if you lose those guys who really need to lead this side because of the lack of experience, um, it's really going to expose that underbelly also. Yeah, and, it's, and Father Time does catch up really, really quick as well too, mm-hmm. which is an absolute struggle as well. Well, so yeah, it's that, that old adage about the big blokes don't uh, slow down, they stop. They do, yeah, and, I, and it I, does catch up quick as well too. Like if you speak to Heath Shaw, et cetera, like he probably could have got another year somewhere else, but you know, it's pushing 35, pushing 36. It's going to make it a challenge for him. Um, but yeah, it's going to make it a tough one for the kids. It's going to make it a tough one for them um, to yeah. ride up. And how, and how long can you ride on the shoulders of Pendlebury for? And that's the same. If you go back over our history, you look at like Nathan Buckley won the Brownlow in 2003. And in 2004 and 2005 were write-offs because he started having all those hamstring issues. Yeah, you're right, and then 20, you're right. Yeah. In 2006, he played most of that season. In 2007, he played about three games, kept breaking down. So, you know, you would have looked at Buckley back then after 2003 and thinking, well, he's not sitting on top of the competition. He's won the Brownlow. And then that was pretty much it. That was pretty much his last full season as a midfielder. And no one would have saw all that coming. So you just don't know. I mean, Scott Pemberbury this year against West Coast during the home of the way, he cramped up during the warm up and he missed three weeks. So yep. it's not going to take, and particularly with this, uh, the way preparation has changed around COVID. I think you're going to see sort of players who aren't able to take care of their bodies the way they used to, are going to be a lot more vulnerable to um, chronic niggles. Okay, so where's your standout? Who's going to be the breakout star for the Pies this year? Who's the who's the I'm, one player? Uh, Bra- Jaden Stevenson. Jaden Stevenson. Okay, <laughs> yeah, second that one. He, he's got to be wearing black and white stripes, not blue and white stripes. You just just got to color down you back. Your TV. Got to bring you back. All right, maybe yeah, black and white TV. <laughs> but is is there anyone at the moment that you're looking at going? You know what? There's there, there's something there. I really hope that he he takes it by the reins this year. The two, uh, Josh Dacos for me. Oh, sorry, sorry, mate. Yeah. No, no, you go for it. I, I was going to go with someone near because Oaks was obviously a favourite. No, yeah, well, so um, yeah, definitely Josh. Yep, yeah. I must yeah, admit he, he has got a bit. I thought I thought he was a bit of the old um on, on early days might have been um the Dacos, but then I did see signs. I must admit last year that made me go. This guy's actually a, a pretty handy player, and he and he became more of a uh, senior position in that team towards the end of it as well too. I think he was. He was definitely standing out where others weren't. It, from my, yeah, I, I definitely um, had my doubts as well. But um, he, he just seemed to grow into his body over the preseason last yep. year. Like the physique is is looking immaculate, and it's just giving him a, a few extra notches to go towards. So I'd like to see some uh, serious continual improvement with that boy. Yeah, definitely. Who, who have you got? Yeah. Who have you got? Um, uh, Isaac Quainer, I think, is the one that's really going to sort of explode. Okay. I'm hoping they give him more responsibility coming off the than coming off the halfback. But you know, he shows serious dash. He's got a raking kick has composure, looks the goods. And um, depending on his size, because I think he weighs about 42 kilos, Tyler Brown at times shows flashes of, you know, I mean, I think they committed to Nat five a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. said, Buckley, Buckley said that. Yeah. yeah no pressure, mate. No pressure, champ. No pressure. Don't worry, he'll be traded out to North in a few years' time. He, he says he shows any form of ability. Well, You're out of here, buddy. Didn't he kick a goal with his first kick and then do his shoulder the, in the same game? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, that's, that's There's a long cool. list of people doing that at Collingwood. Oh, my yep. goodness gracious. Yeah, so no, they, so they're the two that you reckon are going to be the ones that um, hopefully you really I, stand out? Yeah, I think the I think the guy you're talking about there was Will Kelly to the elbow, kicked the goal, first kick. and was Will Kelly, yep. Yeah, I don't recall Tyler Brown's first game. No, Tyler Brown's first game was against um, Bulldogs' first 
game of last season. And he was pretty good, but uh, we dominated the game, so it was pretty easy to look good in that game. But, yeah, he, he shows a bit of poise. He's good inside traffic, got nice hands. It's just he really needs to put some muscle on. He weighted thin at the moment. Just easily gets bustled out of the packs. And that's the thing, like you've mentioned too, with these young kids, it does take them a couple of years. It almost takes them a year just to get used to the preseason, and it does take mm-hmm. them a couple of years to put the, the body on. Not everybody can be like a, a Petrarca with a bit of a rig or a Clayton Oliver putting on some size or other players who can just who just have the ability to, to put on muscle. Some of them just take years and years and just, just don't do a thing, just can't, just can't do it. Um, and that's the thing. I think as supporters we can be, especially when times are not going well, we don't have patience. And I think we need to get these patient. We need to be patient with these kids because they are that. They're exactly kids playing against men who have got bodies that have who are seasoned, who have done seasoned pre-seasons for, for quite a long time. And they'll just get bashed week after week. And you can see Patrick Cripps is probably a bit of an example with this that, you know, yeah, he has got a bigger body, but he hasn't had that support around him. And now he's starting to, I think last year he had a bit of trouble with, with injury. And his body's been taking a punishment for so many years that it's starting yeah. to, to catch up on him. You don't want last that with young like kids. A, last year, he just was advertising elastoplast a lot of the time. He just had bandaging everywhere. So, yeah, he's a champion player. I mean, you worry about some. I mean, I know it's not the Carlton <laughs> conversation. No, it's a good you, point though. Yeah, but when you get sort of guys copying that sort of punishment consistently, you think, geez, it's really shortening their career. Instead of playing for 10, 15 years, you could just see him dropping off after seven or eight. So he'll be our uh, number one free agent target next year. Yeah. <laughs> He's fitting that demographic And you'll trade him for Dacos um, Isaac Quainer And uh, they'll have, uh, Pendlebury will have some sort of argument With, with Buckley and he'll be part He'll be thrown in as steak knives So who, oh, he'll, he'll, probably, he'll, he'll probably be made coach he'll, he'll be next coach Pendlebury They'll say look you've been retired for 28 minutes Why don't you coach <laughs> Worked with the last one Nice Might as well. Yeah. We have yeah. a great record with favourite Suns coach in the club. Oh, it's, it's been just so many years of success. Oh, I love talking to you guys. This is great. I, yeah. You can just hear the the pessimism of just failed campaigns year after oh, yeah. year. Whoa, 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 whoa. Year. This, is, this, this is realism. <laughs> I know. It's nice to – I keep saying it to, to people. It's nice to get a ticket on the reality bus sometimes and just talk about <laughs> about what's really going on. It's yeah, if, you, if you go to a Melbourne game with anybody and you sit with them and you could be six goals up at three-quarter time, this isn't over. Yeah, it, no. It's the same with you guys. Don't worry. This this run won't last long. We'll, we'll fall into a hole. Someone will get injured, etc. Someone will get I'm hit in the head with a footy, a.k.a. Chris I'm, Main. I'm coming up to my uh, my 40th anniversary of trying to uh, lobby split ends to change the lyrics to History Never Repeats, uh, oh, except it, at Collingwood. Yep, it, it does. Um, this could be the year. This could be the year. Well, our theme song is Keep Your Eye on the Red of the Blue. I'm, I'm actually going blind, waiting for it to actually start waving at the end of the year. Hey, quick question for you. Who's, whose last season is it going to be? I, I tend to ask this one because I'm kind of interested that who is the player that you see at the club as like, well, if, if something doesn't happen, I think, mate, you're going to be hanging the boots up. Nathan Buckley. Oh, sorry, you said player. No, um, no. I, hey, this could be a player. It could be a coach. Like, it, it doesn't have to be – I just said, who do you think will be – Maybe having uh, their last season at the club. Oh, Buckley, look, I Greenwood, yeah, yep, well, Maine. Yeah. But I actually think um, it'll definitely be Bucks last year unless he pulls an absolute miracle out of his hat. Do you reckon because Eddie's not there now that they would actually That's, go uh, ahead and do it? 
Yeah, that's a safety net kind of way. I mean, really, and, and Eddie had he almost had to fall on his sword to, to remove Bucks, considering he orchestrated the um, succession. Um, it's, it's his best mate, blah, 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 all those reasons. Um, it was very difficult for him to actually pull the pin on it. Now, this has just presented itself as a perfect opportunity to, to wind it up. And look, you know, he's probably a wonderful um, person um, and deserves all those sorts of platitudes, but 10 years is enough without delivering a flag. I mean, who else has done this? Rodney Eade at about... 42 clubs yep. he'd be standing alone i think you know to, to to get to an 11th season without um tasting success and that's the thing is like that's actually it, a very it has good been, point yeah yeah it has been 10 years and i think if the way it, they've rebuilt that list or the way they've brought in all this young talent they're effectively saying look we're trying to do a really quick turnaround we're trying to do a really quick rebuild and if doesn't work, which probably not. They're going to have to commit to a long-term rebuild, which means guys like Pendleberry and Maine and Howe and all that, they're just going to get to the point where they say, well, you're not going to be part of our next flag. So it's probably better that you move on a little bit quicker so we can start getting games into younger players and rebuild. And you can't see Buckley overseeing yet another rebuild at the club. Oh, no. Uh, no. I mean, there's been like three effectively within his time because of list profiles and injury management and all that sort of stuff. So... I don't think they can stay with him. And I also think whoever comes in as president is probably going to want his own selection in there as coach rather than inheriting the previous president's selection. And you know what? The, the runs have to be on the board this year. So if we put all that in perspective, gentlemen, we get the crystal ball out, we give it a bit of a rub, uh, give it a bit of hocus pocus and all that sort of jazz. Where do you see yourselves at the end of the year? Where is... Collingwood going to be at the end of the 2021 season? Um, quarantine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the pub with me. At the pub with you? <laughs> where, where do you see them finishing on the ladder? I'm generally optimistic in terms of like at the start of the season, I'll always think we're a chance, we're a chance. You know, I was even thinking that in Tony Shaw's years. So I will get it together for a chance. Um, How is your analyst going? <laughs> I, I've got us down at 10th. I, I just tenth. think. Wow, okay. I, I think that we have a pretty hard draw. We're relying on a lot of young players. And I think the big fact that there's been talk, Buckley saying we're going to play a different game style. We're going to try and move the ball quickly and all that. I think that's imperative to have any chance towards making the eight. If they play that same chippy, devolving, retreating, backward football that they've played for eight of the nine years under him, yep. it doesn't matter who they have in that side. It's not going to work. It's just not a cohesive and effective game plan. And um, so if they really have to change the game style as the other thing, because I think that's really going to affect how effective they are week in, week out. But then you're going back to, you're going to be relying on a lot of youth to execute this. So there's a lot of factors in play. You need a lot of things going right. And it's Collingwood. So do I really expect things to go right? And, yeah. and you know what? Okay. If you have a look at the teams that you play twice, you play Port twice, you're playing Brisbane twice, and you're playing West Coast twice. So out of the interstate teams, they're probably the three that you don't want to be playing twice. Well, I, I look you at got, our first six reps. Yeah, and you got, we have, who have you got? I've got Bulldogs, Carlton, Brisbane, Giants, um, at the MCG, West Coast and Essendon, they could really easily be zero and six. So, like, I expect Carlton's going to improve and they tend to trouble Collingwood anyway. Bulldogs, you're going to think, are going to be thereabouts. Brisbane will be thereabouts. West Coast, they're an aging list, but they're still going to be thereabouts. Is that at the um, MCG or is that in Perth? Up the stadium, so that's in Perth. That's going to be a tough probably, anyway. And they'll probably want revenge for the thing. And Essendon, you know, they don't fall over until about round nine or ten, so... Playing in round six. 
You know, no, that'll be a tough one. So I think we could really easily be zero and six. Zero, six, one and five. Look, I, I think there's a couple winnable ones there, but yeah, you're right. You, you're playing you're playing Port, Brisbane, West Coast, and you're going to be playing Carlton and Essendon twice as well too. I'm probably more worried about Carlton than Essendon. I don't rate Essendon at all. Um, yeah, I think though, too, if you look at that sort of first six, if they were to lose to say West Bulldogs and Carlton and suddenly they're zero, two, it's probably really going to change the complexion of the dressing room. And the way people are looking at Buckley, and that's just going to add extra pressure. You know, they might come out and hammer them all. I don't think they will. I mean, in 218, I think it was zero and two, and then we just started winning. But looking at that, those teams, I think, you know, even this, then they're possible finalists. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Essendon. I mean, they've lost some quality players too, but they're still all possible finalists. It's not like having experienced, skillful side that we're sending out. So we're not in any great position to be conquering anyone at the moment. Uh, well, okay. Well, if that's not going to be you, let's, 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 let's take the, the Collingwood beanies off. Um, and I have to ask these questions. All right. Because I want to find out. So who do you think if we, who do you think is then going to be the, the premier at the end of the year of, of, of there's been a bit of consensus going around uh, everybody so far. And that's been Richmond. And the other one that's come up has been Port Adelaide. They're the two teams that people from other clubs have seen who's going to take it out this year. Have you had a bit of a think about, in, in your eyes, um, Sly and Spook, who's going to be the, the Premier at the end of the year? I'd still look at Richmond, and the other one I'd look at is Brisbane. Yeah, I think Brisbane um, for me. Port was helped a little bit by all the circumstances of last year. They got to play in South Australia a lot more. Um, so they're actually COVID helped a few teams in terms of the way things are fixed and all that. Port was one of them. I think they'll sort of be up there, but like they've also got an aging top end. So I think the bottom could drop out relatively quickly there too. Yep. Um, Brisbane, if Joe Danher can stay fit, I think that's the one. That's the mm. one. If if he can if he can be fit, and you've got a Brisbane Lions team that makes a prelim, and you're able to add him, and he kicks, and it doesn't have to be 50, 60. If he can click, you know, kick thirty extra thirty extra for that team. They're, they're going deep into finals as well, too. Oh, and the other thing, too, is if Danaher can stand up, then suddenly Hipwood gets the second best defender and everyone drops back in terms of um, who's minded and they all get appreciated. So Brisbane, I think, is a really interesting one. And it's I don't, with the other teams, I don't know about Geelong. I mean, getting Jeremy Cameron and they got all those other players, they're always thereabouts, but they seem to struggle in finals. So. Yeah, that, that, that was brought up. That was brought up when, them, I, when I spoke to Tom from um, the Cat Attack podcast. He said the same thing. He goes, yeah, they're just, they're no good at finals. And, and Chris Scott has to be another one who needs to look at because the, they keep making it and they keep falling over at that last part. He thinks that, um, he thinks that Cameron is going to absolutely dominate. Um, Hawkins has got a big tank, so they won't stand on each other's toes. But you're right. Their concern is that they've got something that's 12 players over the age of 28 on their list. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's you, way too many. Yeah, and I think you know a couple of those are really important. Like Selwood has started to slow down a bit. Um, Dangerfield starting to get niggles, so they need a few things to go right for them to be competitive. I think they've thrown all the eggs into that uh, basket, and hopefully, it's not going to create any holes, and they're going to be able to scrape through. I think it's this year, and and that's it. I think it's just I mean, going to fall off really quick. Yeah. The other interesting the one, the one to watch is your mob, Melbourne. <laughs> oh, no. Look, if everything goes right, we, we're, we're a big chance. Um, but I think our your coach situation and our coach situation are very, very similar. So if we have a great start and you have a bad one, it takes the pressure off Goodwin. If 
you guys have a, a crappy start and we have a crappier start, it's going to put some pressure back onto us and not you. So I, I think, think we're going to be looking after each other. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I just think that when you've got all that talent on the park and you're not able to bring it together, there's something there. But the fact that they brought in Mark Williams, and I don't want to make this a Melbourne podcast, but I think Mark Williams is going to be a, probably our best recruit for us this year. I think he's going to bring a bit of an old school, honest mentality, but just embrace and just get the best out of those people that have just sort of been simmering. If we can get a, uh, a little bit more out of those ones, then it's going to be really exciting. And hopefully Ben Brown, um, like I said, last year being uh, an aberration that he actually can get back to that. doesn't have to be 60 goals like he did in the previous three years. Um, if he can kick 30, 40, once again, we're going to yeah. go deep. That, that's that's going to take some pressure off your Fritches and your Wiedemanns and all that sort of stuff too. So it's very similar to he's what a, you mentioned about Dana Hur. He's a great pickup, Brown. No, I would have taken him um, for our uh, wonderful yeah. forward line. But, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Um, and I, was, I'm, I, was I will really... be a big fan if, if he does bring back um, – if he does um, come back. And like I said, before he had this little thing with his knee, um, he, he was apparently – he did a full preseason. Everything was going right. And what happened was completely different to what he had at North. So it was just one of those things that clean it up now, take a bit of a hit early rather than try and play through and then you're going to be left with it at the end of the year. So you, um, you, you guys you, – you train next to our uh, training ground, don't you? Uh, we're at Casey at the moment. Oh, that's right. You're at the yeah, we're, we're, yeah, at, we're at Casey at the moment. But yeah, normally we're down at Gotcha's Paddock. Um, yeah, pretty just, much uh, next wonder whether, uh, whether Brent Brown chose to walk across our training surface to get to your session. He <laughs> <laughs> probably just walked in front of Buckley like a black cat. Um, <laughs> who's your Brownlow tip, gents? Um, Sly, have you got one uh, Brownlow tip that you think might be uh, might take it out this year? It's oh, an interesting question. I'll just give it to Dustin Martin. He seems to be winning everything. <sighs> Yeah, fair enough. Yep. Go for it. Who else? Uh, I reckon uh, Lockie Neal will go back to back. Reckon he'll go back to back? Okay. Yeah. That's the first I think Brisbane are going to Chris Brisbane Mayne, will is he dominate. So, yeah. Yeah, you reckon um, Brisbane are going to dominate again this year? Oh, I think so. Yep. Hope so. I don't mind. And that just goes to show that you don't have to have a person who's played the game to be able to get a group together. That's a mm. perfect what they did up there with Pelton. Mm, I love it. I just love what they're doing and everything they're bringing to the game. They just play a great quality type of football, attacking hard football, and I love watching them, which is which is you know, everything that yeah, you Lee, want your own team to be. Yeah. Lee Matthews was saying that last year or the year before it, where he felt like new coaches coming in were going to need that first experience rather than just coming through, you know, being assistant coach. Yeah. They're going to need to learn man management skills and all that sort of stuff, Is which is what, you know, Fagan's done at Brisbane and um, – you know, North went for a similar guy with Noble. Yep. So, Fagan was I said Pelton, this would be Fagan, sorry. But, yeah, exactly right. And I really yeah, hope for I, North Melbourne, that they they get some success as well too because they've been a bit lean, especially what happened last year. Like, that's a different, you know, that's a, a different conversation for, for a different day. But, you know, you, you don't want to you don't want to see teams down the bottom. You don't want to see teams going through I do. a bad bit. Oh, we do. Essendon. 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 Yeah. Mine. Um, yeah. You just, I just hope that they can get back and – and bring some credibility back to the club, but they had a massive clean out as well too. Like they got rid of twelve players. That's that's and that's a you know, over a quarter of your list. That makes it a challenge to get back. And and look, last but not least, um, we've talked about it a little bit. Who do you think might take out the common and kick the biggest uh, the biggest number of goals for the season? Because this is Jaden Stevenson. Jaden Stevenson. <laughs> I, wouldn't that be just awesome if he just won the Brownlow, a flag, and um. Norm Smith and then fielded off with the Coleman. 
Yeah, it's just it's the, the full Grand Slam. I think that's the best way to stick it up, Collingwood. And then Collingwood come out and go, look, yeah, we, we didn't really see that in him. Um, <laughs> we, we, we didn't think he'd turn out to be the player that we thought he would. Um, he really didn't apply himself at Collingwood and every excuse under the sun as well too. So, uh, Yeah, uh, the, the other guy I'd look at is Danaher. If he stays fit, yep. I think he could be, you know, he could kick 50, 60 goals, yeah. which is a pretty big sum. I, and he can play. That's the thing. He can play if he just – Get rid of that mustache. That's what I'd do. Just, get, just go I, I back totally to simplicity. Agree. Pull the socks up. Get rid of the mo. Tuck the jumper in. Go the Harry high pants, and you, and you can't go wrong. And then just That's a it. bit of bit real cream in the hair. Just exactly. go full old school. Exactly right. All right. Now tell the listeners for the for the for the people who've been listening to the two of you, and they're saying, I tell you what, Sly and Spook have got a bit of spunk about them. If we, uh, if I want to have a listen to the Collingwood rant, when how often are you? Uh, publishing episodes. Where can they find you? Give uh, give us your elevator pitch. Your um, in the next you know moment or two, just to put it out to the listeners to to, to tune into you on a regular basis. Uh, well, I think we're um, <laughs> <laughs> crickets. Yeah, we're basically lazy. So um, uh, we we have that uh, Facebook page thing, don't we? You go on slide that yeah, uh, you, yeah. you you take care of that. We you can find us on Facebook if you search uh, Collingwood Rant or I have nothing better to do for two hours. Um, both of those searches <laughs> will um, come back to us. Uh, we do record uh, weekly. We try and during get the season, it on yeah. um, during the season um, on a Monday night. Um, off season, we do the odd. Uh, Special. If something's uh, particularly annoyed us, we'll uh, get together and um, and uh, talk about it. it. But uh, during the season, um, Monday nights, we try and get it um, edited and up on um, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday latest. Beautiful. And what I'm going to do is to make it easier for everyone, I'm going to put links to the show's uh, Spotify, wherever it's been published. We're going to put those into the show notes as well to make it easy for you. And obviously the Lace Out Facebook page as well too, because these guys have been absolutely sensational. To join us for the 2021 season preview for the Pies. And tell you what, they are massively optimistic of your chances. So um, all I can say is, gents, look, Sly, Spook, you've been absolutely sensational. Um, all I can say is all the best for yourselves. Uh, remember, a podcast, it's all about the fans, but it's also sometimes a little bit of therapy as well too, and just getting things off your chest and, and sharing it with the people that you love as well too. So um, all I can say is thank you very much for your time. And I have one, one simple question for you. Gentlemen, how do you want your football? Lace out. Lace out. Fantastic, gents. Listeners, we'll be dropping another season preview Who's it going to be? You're just going to have to tune in to find out. But it's Peps from Lace Out and enjoy your footy. Take care. Thanks for listening to our latest episode. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate and leave a review on iTunes. I'm your host, Chris Pepper. And with Jamie Wallace, we give you your footy how you want it. Lace Out.